This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of Channelnomics. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changing Channels. As the lady says, I'm Larry Walsh. And you know, we're back talking about the topic that just never seems to go away, the pandemic. Well, the pandemic isn't over, but conditions are getting better. Every day the world is opening up a little bit more. Business travelers are back in the air, conference halls and hotels are full, and offices are welcoming back workers to their meeting rooms and their cubicles because we know we all know how people miss their cubicles. Uh, to say the world is returning to normal is a bit of a misnomer, though. Uh, the changes made to cope with the COVID-19 pandemic taught businesses around the world valuable lessons on how technology can enable efficient and effective collaboration and productivity outside the traditional confines of office spaces and conference rooms. While social distancing was done out of necessity, businesses and workers alike are confident now in their abilities to remain effective even if they're not face-to-face. The lessons learned during the pandemic will last with us for years to come. According to our own research here at Channelnomics, nearly half of the Global 2000 plan on keeping at least half of their employees on a hybrid or work-from-home basis even after the pandemic ends. The challenge that many businesses face is that they remain wedded to the equipment and the infrastructure that no longer meets their needs. Collaboration and productivity in in the distributed and hybrid work environments require different systems, resources, and support. Many businesses are facing the prospects of tossing millions of dollars in good equipment out the door and and facing the additional challenge of replacing that with more flexible alternatives. Smartphone manufacturers and carriers have long had trade-in programs in which users can return their devices for credit for newer versions. In commercial technology, customers often pay pay maintenance contracts that give them access to updates, support, and level cost upgrades. Poly, the progeny of two companies, Polycom and Plantronics, is putting a new spin on the model for the post-COVID hybrid work era. Rather than putting customers in the position of watching their previous telephony investments go down the drain, Poly is giving its handset and desktop phone users credit for the devices that they turn in. The credits are then applicable to buying new collaboration equipment and devices. Joining us to talk about this program, what it means for partners and customers, and what trade-in pretends for the post-COVID world is our old friend and channel stalwart, Nick Tidd, the Vice President of Global Channel Sales at Poly. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Good, Larry. Great to see you. Just like three I, weeks in a row. Three weeks. Yeah, three weeks in a row. As I said, you and I have been on the road together for the past couple of weeks. Two different, two different cities, virtually the same conference, though. Um, and you know, at no point did this topic come up. So at least we have something new to talk about. Wow, we'll find something to talk about. As I, as you referred to me as a stalwart, we've been doing this for a few years. But this is a, this is a great topic. Thank, thanks for having me. Well, you know, so everybody knows Nick is Nick is an old friend. I've known Nick from you know you know back in the days when he was peddling Palm Pilots. Um, so I mean, it's it's been you know, and like, and I truly mean this, Nick, with all sincerity. And so people who know my my sarcasm and my sharp whip, this is real. I looked at Nick as one of the true thought leaders of the business. He's a guy who has innovation as well as institutional memory who really puts him on the forefront of things. That's why I always enjoy having these conversations with you. With you. Well, thanks so for that. 
Yeah, so let's dive into this. You know, um, I gave a quick overview of the of the upgrade program of the vouchers that you're giving. That you architect, what you know, what is it you know that you're actually doing, and how does this work? These the trade-ins work. So, two-part question. Let me let me address the first one. You you hit yep. the nail on the head in your opening comments. It's interesting as folks are returning back to the office, they want that same robust experience they had working at home. Think about how many people got used to headsets in an open space. That open space could have been your dining room, could have been your kitchen, could have been your office, hiding from from friends and family and children and homeschooling. And you got used to noise. uh, You got used to the acoustic fence and the noise cancellation in our headsets. You got used to your own personal video bar. I'm talking to you on on a P15. A lot of people had USB cameras attached. And as they're going back to the office, they're going, I want that same experience I had at home. But you've given me this desktop phone in my cubicle. Well, we still enjoy selling phones, and phones will always continue to be in existence. What do you do with the phones, and how do you create that rich working experience? And that's when we came up with, hey, let's help with the migration. But there also was a second part of this, which is, and to your earlier comment, we're getting through the woes of COVID, but there still is a supply chain issue. There still is a chip shortage, and I still have demand for phones. So what we're essentially saying to our end users through our partners, let's collectively go and work with those end customers that A, want to trade them in, B, I'm going to take them back, and I'll walk through the process in a second, but I'll take them back, and I'm going to either refurb them or I'm going to dispose of them properly so that we are environmentally friendly with the disposal mechanism. The process is very easy. For those that are poly partners today, thank you for that. You're very familiar with our partner portal. Simply log into the portal. Under the promo section, there's a tab called Renew. You simply click through Renew. You open up a case. And by the way, it's got a calculator. You go into the calculator, say I've got VVX 401s, Here's the return amount for it. Put in the calculator, put the quantity in, hit the submit button. Folks on our end go, that's great. I send you an RMA. I send you the shipping information to the end user. So far, the reseller's looking at this going, well, this is a great opportunity because now I can go have a new dialogue. Product comes back to our San Diego facility, verify receipt, send you the voucher. And now the next step is work with your end user take the voucher and buy any poly product in exchange for our phones. Very simple, quick process and addressing a huge issue, which is I want the same experience when I get back to the office. Right. And and one additional data point, Larry, which is very interesting. I was having this conversation this morning was folks are resistant to go back to work. Right. And so, the folks that are responsible for IT are looking at ways in which they can bring people back to the office and, and have that same rich technology experience. They're forcing to have to do an upgrade as well. So it, 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 it's creating a compelling event, which all of us dearly love compelling events in sales. So I understand that part. I mean, that there is a need out there in the markets and, 
and almost every business is going through this right now. It's like trying to figure out how to properly equip their employees to give them a, a, a better experience. But even thinking about the way that we're doing this, we're recording this podcast over Zoom, which means we both have to have good sound. We have to have good light. We have to have a, a clarity of, of, uh, of lack of distractions around us. Getting to that point is hard. So that is enough of that seemingly should be enough of a compelling event. Why start issuing vouchers, which actually creates a greater discount on these other product sales? So the the idea of the discount, I'll use your scenario you described. Yeah. You know, most have maintenance contracts that have life cycle management in them, but maintenance contracts may not be across the entire enterprise. They not may not be covering your edge devices. Well, as much as I would love for you to sell and have maintenance on every endpoint, that's not a practical uh, equation to some of the price points of, of the technology. And you referenced a smartphone when you're recycling through your iPhone, you want to be fiscally responsible. You also want to be green in the way in which you treat it. And so we took all of those elements into the creation of the program versus most manufacturers programs are signed a destruction certificate. And they then they don't get disposed of properly, or they're a challenge to dispose of. Or in some cases, those products make their way into secondary markets, which causes a pricing problem in the marketplace. We're not going to go into that separate subject of marketplaces and new being sold as used and all of that creating confusion. So we said, let's just bring it back. Let's bring it back and let's create stickiness in our own product portfolio was the, was the rationale for the further thought to the, to the program. Cause I've had destruction certificates in place now for years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you talk about giving this, you know, this compelling event and I, and I agree with the idea is that you're giving the customer a reason to stay in the poly fold, right? Mm -hmm. By giving them a voucher. What do you hope the customers actually do with these vouchers? Do you, you know, is that something that's going to be between them and their partners, or is this something that you're actually driving? You know, you're hoping that it is going to be going to some specific segment uh, or category for replacement of what they're turning in. So I'm going to give you a, a two-part answer, like I've done thus far, right? <laughs> so, so you know, the first part. So the voucher exercise is between the reseller and the end user. Yeah. Right? I'm giving the end user an intrinsic value for the trade-in. They obviously need to go and transact with the reseller. So I'm creating a motion for our channel community that otherwise may not have been there unless they needed the upgrade. And also what's happening is that people are carrying devices into the office. You know, we've had BYOD for a long time, right? But now in the COVID, post-COVID era, I want my own device. I don't want to share a device. I want to be able to walk into a conference room. I want my device to auto connect so that I can see my calendar. I want to boot up my meeting. I want flexibility to move between platforms. Medium-sized conference rooms are being replaced with small touchdown spaces. So you're going into a, into, a, into a room and you're bringing your own devices. And so that need for the enterprise to embrace the concept of personal devices was another driving factor behind it. Yeah, is also there's a there's a limitation on top of this too. Is that if the customer you issue the vouchers directly to the customer, 
Mm-hmm. So it's not something. So, and they're only good for 120 days. So Against that, a compelling event. Right. So is that the entire reason is that you mm-hmm. use it or lose it? So is that you, you are forcing that conversation mm-hmm. to happen. Correct. You know, and, 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 you know, so when I'm talking to my finance team, they're like, you've got to accrue for this. You, you, you've got a channel program that's out there. And therefore, again, you need to be able to be mindful of the accounting and the philosophy behind the accounting. And again, stickiness, a compelling event and value for an existing asset. So far, I've hit three home runs. Right. And right. And so and the program for those that may be listening outside of North America, this is a North American program to start. I will bring it out to other parts of the world, but we need a central return point. And I need to be cognizant of of transportation costs and freight costs. And I need a reefer facility to dispose. And Polly is very fortunate we own our own manufacturing facility in Tijuana. So that's my reefer point for a lot of my a lot of my devices. Yeah. Well, I'm you know, all of our all of our listeners and subscribers in Botswana are really happy here. We'll get there to you them go. eventually. Yep. Um, all right. So Nick, I'm going to share with you a story because, and a lot of people know this, I'm Boston Irish, which means I'm also cheap. And my wife loves to tell this story. The first time I bought a Mercedes, I, you know, like all car dealer, all, you know, dealing with a car, car salesman, wrangled over the price for days. And then the day I go to pick up my brand new Mercedes, she always loves to talk about the look on the, on the salesman face when I walk in and I hand him a coupon. Like yep. I, fa- I found the coupon for the for a Mercedes. <laughs> God, I blew I blew whatever commission was left for him. Whatever was left in the margin was gone. Anyways, the reason why I tell this story is that I'm now imagining that I'm the buyer, and I'm rolling into one of your partners with the voucher. Does the partner know this is coming, and how does this affect their comp? How does it affect the way that they're selling? And what are you telling them about how how they should be able to effectively capitalize on this? Mm-hmm. So the first part on the capitalization of it, understand where our devices are installed. We have several million of our VVX and CCX phones installed in North America. This is a license to go and hunt for the the purposes of upgrading. So there's a not creating a compelling event for you. Mm -hmm. I'm creating an ROI for you because I'm giving the end user a value for their trade-in as opposed to many would be depreciating that asset over time. And there may not be any value left in that asset. So I'm, I'm creating a compelling event. I'm creating a financial motion. And a third motion of that is that you can upsell the customer. So I probably would go and buy the Rolls Royce before I bought the Mercedes knowing I had the coupon. Right. So if I've got the difference, I'm going to upsell on top of the coupon. Right. So you have that ability to have upsell. You also have the ability to do attach of other devices because maybe there's another motion for upgrade from a margin perspective to our partners. There still is you're going to recognize revenue for the transaction because it would be in addition to the to the voucher. So. Mm -hmm. There's, it's all the way around. And then the last bow on top of this, Larry, would be from a reseller perspective, that end user is going, wow, I didn't know I had value left in this. Thanks for the assist. Because by the way, my environment's changing. I need to go to multiple video platforms, to different UC clients. I need the flexibility to connect whatever location I'm at. 
So I could literally run down, and we'll age ourselves now, seeing as how we've been doing this for a while. We'll do the Letterman top ten list. Okay, you got you got a top ten list. I just did five of them. I'm gonna think of five more in a minute. <laughs> All right. So look, let's keep let's stay on this topic about uh, keeping the partner whole, though, because mm -hmm. I I hear what you're saying. You are allowing for, or you are creating an event in which there is op there's plenty of opportunity, mm -hmm. but. I'm going to imagine that these vouchers are not going to be so substantial that they're going to eat into the base price of whatever the, whatever the partner is going to try to sell them. Um, that, that, this, that's correct. This, you're, right. you're not going to get a one for one, right? So yeah. if you're trading in a VVX 201, I'm going to give you $15. Okay. Right? That's $15 off of a future purchase. Now that's $15 you would not have otherwise gotten, right? And then, and then of course, it scales up after that. So if you trade in a VVX 450, I'm going to give you $60. So there yeah. still is a there still is an upsell to bridge the gap, mm -hmm. and there would be margin associated with upsell. Now, obviously, the margin dollars are going to be smaller on the transaction. All right. But again, you've you've protected your end user by creating an upgrade path to keep them current on technology, and you're probably making the IT guys look really good. Because we're giving them the latest technology for them to take advantage of. So you could almost think of this. So now I'm at number six on my top 10 Letterman list. This is a refresh, all right? I'm enabling a tech refresh with my dollars for the value. And then Letterman number seven is I'm able to bring this product back. And for those customers that still need phones, I'm going to be able to give you B-Stock that you'll be able to go back in and sell with a full poly warranty as well. So you may get two sales out of one if you're still in or provisioning desktop phones. Yeah, and in the process, you're creating a barrier to entry as well. Again, Correct. Pres preserve, the, preserve the brand association. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's the thing. I wrote this down because I hadn't heard about this supply chain disruption or shortages and chips and comp components not being available. New information to me as of forever. Um, truthfully though, is that a lot of companies are grappling with these supply chain issues. It's not, this is, and uh, the people that we're talking to are telling us, this is not gonna unravel for another year or longer. You know, we're gonna be dealing with this for a while. So what is the effectiveness of using a trade-in or a voucher program enticing the, the customer to you know, to come in and buy a different product, whether it's your sound bars or your headsets or whatever that might be, um, come in and buy these different products when they may not be available. What do you so, do? And what yeah. what do you do when the alternative isn't there to be to replace what is what they don't need any longer? Mm -hmm. So the products that we'll make available for voucher, obviously, we'll make sure they're available to sell within the window. If the product's not available in the window, we can address that separately because obviously I've got voucher codes on each one that I know what that end user is doing with it. Mm -hmm. But I would say for the majority of the products that folks are moving to that would be replacing a desktop phone would be our USB video technologies, which we have ample supply of. We are, for the majority of our headsets, uh, we're catching up. We still are by no means out of the woods yet, like you've just described. But I would also caution for the listeners. There's, there's two, people sometimes get 
chipset confused with logistics. You know, the logistics issue, you know, here in Southern California, I'm fortunate enough, I live three blocks from the ocean. I can see all the ships sitting out in Long Beach waiting to get in, right? So, you know, shipping and logistics we're dealing with as a company, you know, we're air freighting the majority of our products so that we can get it to market in time. But to your point, the chipset challenge starts with the foundries that are building the silicon, which then gets handed to the chipset vendor, which then gets handed to us. That is not going to be fixed in any time soon. There is just a worldwide shortage of capability to build to meet whether that's the automotive industry or the tech industry. You know, specifically on the P15, I'm talking to you, that same sensor we get from Sony, we're fighting with the automotive manufacturers for. Yep. You know, so we're, we're doing our best to buffer as best we can. We as a company are embracing a new silicon strategy so that we have flexibility to move silicon within our products whereas some are siloed within the numbers themselves. But back to your original point, it would be foolish of me to release a voucher for something that you didn't have the ability to buy. And so we take that into consideration uh, for, for availability. And through the portal, when the partners go in, there is a, a landing site where you track your vouchers, track your progress of, so that we can work with if we run into a situation like that. Yeah. Now you mentioned this about taking these these existing phones out of circulation, both for proper disposal, but also for for, for refurbishing. Do you mm-hmm. see Do you see this as a means of fueling that refurbished market? Because we yes. are seeing a lot more product coming out as, let's call it not refurbished, but new to me. Mm-hmm. So is that and and because I also see because of these shortages we're talking about, you're right. There is a difference between the component issue as well as the supply chain issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they both feed into this you know, to the to the consumer though, whether it's a business or an individual, they both kind of seem synonymous. Right. But which is making the refurbished products a lot more palatable. Mm-hmm. So is this to meet that demand as well? Absolutely. It it's mm-hmm. one of the key tenets of the program in that the product, when it goes back out into market, obviously would have a different pricing structure. It will have a different warranty structure, but it will be a poly refurb product versus for manufacturers that don't manage their own refurb program, you have an inconsistent approach for warranty and entitlement And users think that they're getting a manufacturer's warranty when in fact they're getting a third-party warranty or if they're getting one at all, they may not have the right revision on the product and the product may be aged that you don't want it out in market. So absolutely our intent is to use it to fulfill demand, but also uh, you can export refurb product into other markets as well that may have higher duties on them than a net new product. So think of markets like Brazil and India and Russia. So you can use that product in those marketplaces. Now there's regulatories that you need to file. There's um, the UEP is the Used Equipment Act that you've got to follow and certify. So you do need to manage it accordingly. But yes, the intent is absolutely to have the right product put back out in the market. All right. And you did mention this, though, about 
used products being sold as new. This has been mm -hmm. a persistent problem for as long as you and I have known each other yep. about product finding itself into the gray market. Yep. Um, do you see this also as a means of keeping this out of the gray market? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you have a brand like ours, and I'm very fortunate and thankful to be able to represent the Poly brand, which is both the Plantronics and Polycom products. When you have a high run rate, you are susceptible to folks representing used as new, and it drives the price point down of the product. And with the, with the advent of platform sellers providing e-commerce with low SG&A costs, they can wreak havoc on your channel when you're not paying attention to your price points. What about yeah? And you mentioned this as well. And and I I'd like to understand the 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 economics behind sustainability that you're describing about the proper disposal. And mind you, there are requirements for proper disposal of equipment like what you sell, what you produce at Poly because of the toxic materials that are in them. Um, but is there an economic benefit that comes from this that we need to be cognizant of that can be translated as a value proposition? Well, so we have, um, and, and I'm drawing a blank on it, and my corporate team is going to smack me for not remembering, um, but as part of our social responsibility, we've pledged to recycle or destroy appropriately a, a percentage so that our, we're reducing our carbon footprint. So that will definitely be applied to that and to ensure that we are being socially responsible for meeting the guidelines of reducing our carbon footprint. This is one of the other reasons why we want to do this, as opposed to on my video product today, I have you sign a destruction order and I'm relying on you to dispose of it properly versus me bringing it back at my expense, which is how the Renew program works. I'm prepaying the shipping to bring it back. Yeah. What... I hate using terms like new normal uh, because I always see the world in a constant state of flux. And, you know, I've said that we do see this model with smartphones where they, we do have trade-in programs and up, upgrade the ability to upgrade. You sometimes see some periodic promo, uh, promotions uh, that happen, like, you know, where you try to cycle out old products for new products. But do you see what you're doing here with vouchers as something that would, could become a part of a new trend that's going to be driving or influencing both partner and customer behavior going forward after we're beyond this wave? Absolutely. And, and what's going to drive it is the life cycle management of devices and the pace of change. We see this in the UC space. You know, let, let's go back to the old comment again, back when I was a, a wee little lad back at 3Com starting my career, and I was convincing people to, hey, trust me, I'm going to put voice over your Ethernet wire called voice over IP. Take the leap of faith with me. And then we went from voice over IP, we went to cloud-based telephony. Look what's happening in, in video. It's the exact same thing. It literally, yeah. I could close my eyes and go, oh, gosh, I remember when I was a lot, a, a, a lot lighter on my feet and I was a lot younger. It's the same thing. We're going from on-prem video to cloud-based video in an agnostic format. And so the ability to manage lifecycle of assets, then you know, a whole separate podcast about the financial motions, whether we stay in a, an OPEX or a CAPEX model and what that's going to do. So it's 
having us rethink the life cycle management of the device itself um, as we adopt new technologies and the endpoints continue to be consumed at a far greater rate than what we've seen before. You know, pre-COVID, we're like, work from anywhere, work at any time, buy the right device. Yeah, I'll get to it. Holy smokes, COVID hit. We couldn't keep a USB corded device in stock to save our lives. And so now I'm with you, like the new norm is, hey, I'm going to take my 6200 or my 8200 or my, I'm going to go into the office, I'm going to set myself up or I'm going to go to the hotel or back to the hotel. To your point, I was in Denver this week. I've never seen the Denver airport that busy, even pre-COVID. It was crazy. We were lined up to get into into the United Lounge. Now, I'm not bragging about going in the United Lounge. I just happened to be able to go and work there, but we were lined up out the door. Yeah, you know, and I've been to that United Lounge, and it is nothing to brag about. No. Nick, the last question on this, you know, and people who do know you understand that you are a numbers guy. You look at the data, you analyze the trends, you understand the impact of anything you do within channel programs. So if you're talking with one of your peers, what's the first step in this? What should they be looking for, and what are the what are the validation points that they need to bring to the table to develop something like what you're doing here with your voucher program? So it took us a little bit, give you a little bit of the kind of ask you, can you peel the kimono back and can you give us some advice on how you built it, right? Yeah. So when we first went to the finance team and they went, you want to issue what? You want to give them a voucher? That's an OPEX expense. But then we had to say, no, now take the OPEX expense and apply it to the future purchase. Right? And so when you, when you look at the margin profile of the future purchase, the economics are far greater in your favor to create the stickiness. And so you've got to add the two transactions together to get your full margin stack. Right? That gives you the ability to be able to sell it internally because if you present it as a promotion, then they're going to say, oh, well, let's play the redemption game. We're hoping Larry forgets to take the coupon with him when he goes to buy the Mercedes. I'm banking on 100% redemption because I want 100% of those net new purchases coming to Polly. So factor it at 100%, which your finance guys will make you do, even though you say, well, I'm going to have breakage. It won't cost that much. Bank on 100% because you want to promote it. Then you're going to have to look very closely if you're going to, in fact, to do refurb, right? There's third-party providers that will do refurb. I looked at third parties. I also looked at our own. And then you're going to have to benchmark the costs, right? Then the last piece of the, of the kimono when you open it up is anticipating how much you're going to get back. I don't know how much I'm going to get back. I know what my addressable market is. So now my logistics guys are going, well, what should I bank on as a forecast? I'm sorry. I don't have one for you. So you'll have to cross that hurdle as well. So you're going to have to look at kind of your time and materials to build it back into your cost because that, again, is going to be the offset. But the third part, and people may be going back and scratching their head going, hang on a second. He said he's got a voucher. He's got to sell a new one. Where's the margin in that? Well, guess what? You know that product you brought back? You're selling that too. So you're getting two hits for the price of one, meaning I got a voucher going out. I got a purchase replacement, and I can resell that B stock. Yeah. And in the B stock, less the time and materials for repair, 
you're going to be amazed at the margin because you're not going to sell that at full list. You're going to have to look and say, maybe I want to sell that at 80% of the net new price. So now your product margin on that resell is going to be phenomenal. Get your finance guys to look at the complete transaction and you will hit a home run. Yo, Nick, this is, you make it sound simple when we know it's more complicated than that, but it is sage advice. I mean, I, I really do think that there's, there's, you know, as we keep looking at here on changing channels and what we do in our practices of channelnomics, there's always, you know, there's room for improvement everywhere, but more importantly, I don't think it's uh it's safe for anyone to assume that we can continue doing things the way that we always have. The world has changed around us. Yep. I always challenge my peers. If you're doing a, a readout to your channel community or to your internal folks and you say your program's done, get your resume ready because it's never done. There is never. no finish line in doing channels. This is why we have the greatest jobs in the world. I get to touch everything. Product yep. guys are coming to say I'm going to build something. And user guys are going, help me create demand. Channel partners are saying, making me profitable. And I'm looking at ecosystem going, how do I make everybody happy? Yep. Best and jobs in the world that we have. And for everyone listening, I mean this again sincerely. I'm checking my sarcasm at the door. If you ever see an agenda where, you, where Nick Tid is speaking, clear everything from your calendar and go learn from him. He really does know more than most, more than the average bear in the channel. So with that, Nick Tid, the VP of Global Channel Sales at Poly, thanks for joining us here on Changing Channels. Thanks for having me, Larry. Always great to see you. And everyone else, you know, as always, technology is changing the world and changing the way we go to market. We'll keep tracking these changes here at Changing Channels. We look forward to having you back again next time. Until then, I'm Larry Walsh. Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics, with the support of our production team at Modern Podcasting. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of, and Changing Channels is copyright by, 2112 Enterprises, LLC.